Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Harry. We continue with season five where we're looking at the past decades, the 2010s, and seeing the best films it had to offer. And for today's episode, I thought we would look at one of the best in its genre. It's the elegant yet horrifying 2018 horror film, Hereditary. Written and directed by Ari Aster and starring Tony Collette, Millie Shapiro, Gabrielle Byrne and Alex Wolfe. Ari Aster's encouraging debut delivers a captivating thriller in this horror genre, using raw frights rather than a cheap in-your-face thrills, going back to basics in terms of what scares people. Most importantly, how to deliver a good story no matter what the genre is. Now, with dramas and comedies, it's very easy to know where the story is going, and it unfolds quite quickly. So quickly, in fact, we can predict where the film will go and how it will do so before we even reach the middle of the movie. However, with horror... We are led to the climax where we are revealed if our protagonist or, v- or victim survives or most importantly, in the old fashioned sense, who the killer might be. Now, with most contemporary horror movies, the big reveal in the genre is the motive, the why, the reason why this is all happening, why the killer is targeting a specific person, what is behind this supernatural presence or the backstory to an old myth that is slowly hinted at us throughout the movie. The horror movie has become more exciting, especially in the last decades where we have steered away from this conventional subgenre of slashers and predictable villains where we are now led into a world where we don't understand the film right away until right at the end, where the story isn't just making you jump, but now not making you sleep at night because it lingers in your head for days to come. Now, one of the tips that Tarantino said about writing is you don't want to confuse the audience. He describes that there is an umbilical cord between the film and the audience. And if you lose the audience with confusion, if the, audi- if the audience gets confused from what's happening on the screen, then they're in danger of losing that connection with the film. However, being confused acts as a positive attitude or attribute in films. If you believe you're in the right hands, if you trust in where the writing has taken you so far then it's okay to be confused as long as you know that you'll be resolved at the end if you understand it right at the end. Now, horror genres are tricky. They need to have this certain attribute to sell tickets, to mystify your expectations. The whole point of the experience in the horror genre is the expectation to be scared. And now people know that. And as time goes on, as we have become heavily acquainted with the genre, we now want something different. They now expect to be scared from people jumping out from the empty space in the frame, or even now more recently be surprised from twist endings, which has now been a running theme in horror films, sprouting very early on from generic storytelling like in Scooby-Doo or Scream, where the main reason for this is like a murder mystery. You get introduced to a bunch of characters throughout the development of the movie, you connect with them, and then you have to doubt them, and the movie plays on this, and that's what they did for a while. And sometimes movies still do this with their narrative. Or you go back to what I was saying and reveal as a big twist that has nothing to do with who did it, but another revelation like at the end of the movie, The Sixth Sense, or The Village, or Psycho. But every now and again, the horror movie tries to do something different. Now, recently... It's all been about technological advances rather than plot or story. The use of handheld gave a unique vantage point of telling a story like in Paranormal Activity or Blair Witch Project. Then the use of special effects, which further emphasises the horror in certain villains with the -the over-the-top blood splatter or CGI makeup or the ability to scare you with unanimous objects moving on their own. But the reason I'm talking about hereditary and more specifically what Ari Aster is trying to do with this genre is to take it a step further without using the development at hands. The film, if you've seen it, does not rely on a killer or who did it or or why they did it revelation. 
It does not rely on creepy things jumping out of you, rather quite the opposite. Everything that's scary remains in frame for us to see. The scary thing is that there, that it's there and it's not hiding away. The special effects are all done with old tricks that they do in theatres. In fact, there is no special effects in this movie. Everything in this movie is practical effects. And the story unfolds in a way that parallels certain dramas. As Ari Aster said in an interview, there is more of a drama about a family than it is a horror. The movie more connotes to being a drama than it is a horror story. Tony Collette is fantastic in this movie. Her performance is eye candy here. The film exists around her performance. I honestly couldn't see anyone else doing this role. She stars as a mother grieving from her mother's death right at the start of the movie. I say grieving, she's just static. She just doesn't know how to handle it yet. Anyways, as the movie progresses, odd things keep happening now and again, especially to their son, and she starts to wonder if these things are connected to their death of her mother, and thus delves a little deeper into the reasons why these weird things are happening. Now, I assume if you're listening to this podcast and you've seen the movie, so spoiler alert. So the daughter dies early on in this film, a few days after the funeral of her mother, and that's when these weird occurrences, most notably with this erratic behaviour of the son. Now, the film holds a near unbearable tension which soon explodes with answers and revelations towards the end, but what the movie demonstrates so well is this tone that it carries out throughout the movie. It's disguised as a drama with hints of horror, and it's even scarier when it's done this way. It was very smart on the advertising side of the film because there was no hint that the daughter was going to die very early on. And that would be the catalyst to set this movie into the realms of discovering something truly horrific and somewhat realistic too in terms of what is acceptable and believable in today's world. It basically took a page out of Alfred Hitchcock's book when Janet Lee was advertised as the main character of the movie in Psycho only to be killed off 40 minutes into the movie and thus creating this confusion with this audience I was talking about earlier of where the film was now going. She's famously killed in the shower and audiences were wondering, well, where does this movie go? Where do we pick off now that the lead of the movie is dead? It leads us into an unknown mysterious path where something bigger is lurking and the real story starts to unravel. In this, the rawness of her death where the sister gets killed by, you know, sticking her head out of the window because she couldn't breathe in, and then gets decapitated by a pole i mean it's chilling because it's nothing to do with hollywood horror or something supernatural it was genuinely a horrific accident and this goes to the writer and director of this movie ari aster who has nailed this movie with his you know with his debut you know appearance and this of course is you know he makes another film later on called midsummer which follows and carries the same tone that hereditary does this realistic outlook of what a horror genre would do in today's world. It maintains heavily a sense of realism on the human scale that the horror genre has been severely lacking in the past 30 years, and that's why Hereditary is deeply disturbing to watch, because as Millie Shapiro said in an interview, this is something that could happen to anyone. This is anyone that is in everyday life, and it's a genuine fright, not one where you can brush off with laughter after the initial scare. A lot of people talk about the famous car scene where Charlie, played by Millie Shapiro, gets decapitated by this electric pole simply by just putting her head out of a moving car. And this is the most talked about scene, not the generic horror themes of the movie or the ending. Or, um, and the reason it attracts this discussion, this conversation, 
is that this is the horror movie scaring you by not using generic horror motifs. It's relying on something real. Ari Aster was something, you know, someone fresh off the blocks. No one knew what to expect of him. He wasn't established like Wes Craven or John Carpenter or now more contemporary Lee Wannell, who just did The Invisible Man, who was someone where uh, our expectations were non-existent. So if anything, uh, he had a great opportunity to put a marker down on what his style is. And boy, did he do that with this movie. Horror movies drift in and out of the market because we've seen it all. We even have a TV channel dedicated to just showing horror movies. And many can, can't really execute a rhythm or style that's not been duplicated or seen before. But Ari Aster successfully shocked us with Hereditary. Ari Aster is an American director who had a very strong view on films. He's only done a few short films like C'est La Vie and The Turtle Heads, which are actually quite good. But he's done two feature-length films now, Hereditary and Midsommar. And they've both certainly raised eyebrows in the world of Hollywood to this guy's potential and his style of storytelling. He goes on record and says he doesn't consider himself a horror director at all. He said that there are very few horror films that, you know, for him, that live up to what the genre can actually do. The epidemic of having a genre is a bad name. It's one of those genres that if its virtues are being affected exploitedly, it can just be amazing. So what he's basically saying is is people haven't really unlocked their true potentials um, in making a horror movie. But if you can do it properly, then you can unravel this can of worms that would be very shocking to audiences, audiences that have never seen this before. It can just be the most amazing experience in a movie theatre. And when it works, it's very exciting. And I don't think any genre can reach that peak unlike the genre of horror. Now, what he does with Hereditary is he goes for scares that are emotionally justified. He wanted to make a film about suffering that was taken seriously, and that's exactly what this film is. It's it's exciting to know when he's written 10 screenplays already, which is what he said in an interview. He's already written 10 screenplays for films, and he's only directed two of them. So it's very... I'm very curious to see what his other films are going to be like and what films are going to come out next from this guy. Now, Toni Collette went out and said she wasn't going to do horror movies at all, even before this movie, because she didn't like the genre. But when she read the script for Hereditary, she couldn't say no. In fact, she didn't really know it was a horror genre, to be honest, until the ending of the movie. It's her best performance to date, in my opinion. She said that Ari Aster was the best prepared director she had worked with. He had 75 lists of storyboard for the cinematographers before filming even began. He approached Colin Stenson two years before the movie began production. Um, who is the guy who did the score for this movie. And and he considered it a character of his own. He simply told Colin to make the music feel evil. Ari Aster apparently listened to Colin Stenson's musical score whilst writing the screenplay for this movie. He even wrote detailed biographies for all characters in his movies, much like Tarantino does, even before writing the screenplay. Now, with the two child actors, Alex Wolfe, you probably know from Jumanji, but this was Millie Shapiro's debut film. Now, Ari Aster got them to go out and have lunch in their characters, and Millie wouldn't say anything for three hours while Alex was talking to her, trying to connect with her, both in character. The two actors actually knew each other already from school, which worked out quite well. Um, And also, Alex Wolfe and Gabrielle Byrne, who you probably know from The Usual Suspects, have played father and son before in the HBO show In Treatment. And this worked because it made Tony Collette the sort of outsider of the four, which in fact helps the character in this movie and the development of the story. So it was quite conveniently, it worked out quite well. So the movie was shot in 32 days, had a $10 million budget, ending making 
eight times the amount at the box office, which is very successful for a horror movie. More renowned for the blessing it got from almost every serious critic in Hollywood. It was shot in Utah, which is not a very popular um, and general location setting for a horror movie. I think the mountains were quite beautiful in Ari's mind, and he said that they were both ominous and beautiful at the same time. So that's mainly the reason it was shot there. And then the whole house was built on a soundstage in Utah, and they needed to be able to remove the walls and the ceilings to make it look like a miniature. Now, in the film, when you come to the revelation at the end where her mother was in a cult and that this demon, this god, in fact, was put himself inside a body, their son's body, to lead a cult following, was not so much a twist coming, but something that was unravelling very slowly. One way that Ari Aster pitched the movie was it's a story about long-lived possession rituals told from the perspective of the sacrificial lamb, which, of course, we don't know right away until the end of the movie, but there's hints about it throughout the throughout the whole movie. If you watch it a second time, it's very obvious, which is what I love about films like this. There are clues scattered around the movie everywhere. The symbol itself, a particular uh, one on the necklace of Annie and the mother, and it happens to be a real symbol of um, the demon payment has shown in the textbooks. Also, this cult following, as we see at the end, turns out to be people we've already seen in the movie. One of Peter's friends, with um, who has a bun on his head, turns out to be one of the cult members. Um, so he's probably just there as a guide to just keep an eye on him, which we only know if you notice him at the end or if you watch it a second time. Also, with Alex being the desired host for the demon, he's the one that accidentally kills Charlie. Annie is, at, you know, Annie's probably afraid of him, but we don't know why. We understand this subconsciousness of her now. She claims she never wanted to have him, but loves him nonetheless. She tried having miscarriages, but it didn't work. And also at the end, when we see Joan yell at Peter at the school saying, I expel you, get out, trying to get hold of his body so that the demon payment will let back in. Annie also says at the funeral right at the beginning of the movie, which I never caught on to, that there are a lot of strangers here. And that this is easily explained now that you know the under- or understand the ending of the movie, that her mother was a leader of this cult society. And now that she had died, invited or, you know, attracted all these people that, you know, followed her. You know, she was possibly molding young Charlie into taking over. But then when the... You know, her unexpected death, we then go on to the next in line, which would be Alex. And thus, this explains the title of this movie. And that's where it comes in. The classroom scene where Alex basically foreshadows the narrative and motive of this cult. The teacher in one scene is talking about the sacrifices of Ingenia, who is Agamemnon's daughter, both if Ingenia and Charlie are daughters who were sacrificed in hopes of bringing forth a great event. The first, of course, was the Trojan War, and in this movie, the bringing forth of the demon payment. Also, the beheading in this film, of course, is foreshadowed right at the start, where Charlie cuts the pigeon's head off. And if you watch it a second time, knowing the ending, you may even see that this is a warning or a sign saying that this is what's going to happen to you, or even that Charlie might have even known her own fate subconsciously. Just like Annie knew not to have Alex when she tried having the miscarriages, or even that story she tells the medium that she almost burnt them alive, and in fact that, yeah, she would have gone to prison, but she would have rid the evil demon worshipping cult. So by understanding all of this, we start to understand the depth of the title of the movie. And then you have these little moments here and there to add to the coincidences, like when Alex is getting high, there's a black and white film on in the background, and it's about beheading, or in this dream Annie has about accidentally setting fire to her kids and she's actually set and then she accidentally sets fire to her husband. So again, it's up to your interpretation of this hereditary feeling or this sign from the cult. 
the film for Ari Aster is running is it's just a running metaphor for trauma and family grief and how people develop and change throughout their journeys. And what he's trying to do with this film is show the realism of these repercussions like a family death. Now, of course, the film that, you know, the film that's a turn to the goes goes the other way in, in, in a way. Um, but that wouldn't be relatable. But that's why it's a metaphor. It operates these themes all the way through the movie, even at the end. It's showing how it can utterly transform a person, but necessarily for the but not necessarily for the better. But as they discussed in an interview, that's sort of the the, uh, the bleak undertone of this movie. The face that the passion down of someone is not necessarily gone. You know, even with the presence of the past still remains in people's lives and consumes them, but, and not for the better. And this film could very well be the hidden meaning behind Hereditary done in a very stylized way. The relatable aspects of this movie remains with the character and their detailing with this given situation. I mean, the movie is not ghost until three quarters of the way throughout the movie, up until the movie suggests we're experiencing a drama, a trauma, a loss in a family, a tragic event that's shaken up this film. And yet there is more to come, which we almost forget about. Every single character in this movie is on knife edge. And for some reasons we understand and for others we are anxious to find out up until the end, we are offered a metaphorical explanation hidden in layers of death of what is the, what it is to grieve, to feel sorrow. And this movie manages to capture this to perfection. This movie, you know, the build up to the, the dinner scene, to a classroom, to just talking to your friends becomes tense, hard to watch simply because we are grieving with them. We don't jump at this film. We're engaged in fear and cannot take our eyes off it. And this film is a fantastic example of the next decade and what is to come in this genre. I'm almost being open about expressly saying that the whole point of watching a film is the experience. And if every genre was on point, then the genre that would give you the most fulfillment would be that of the horror genre. And we are turning a corner now, thanks to... Films like this one with Ari Aster's Hereditary and Midsommar, uh, which is on Amazon Prime, by the way. And it's exciting to see how people respond to this genre in the next decade. We already have examples uh, of great films coming from this genre. Like last year, there, were, there was an exceptional bunch like The Invisible Man, which wasn't a remake, but an idea Lee Wannell did and really did what Ari Aster did in Hereditary, which was offer human layers to this genre. And if these kind of movies carry on rather than your remakes or sequels or classic horror movies, then we may just replicate the golden age of cinema once again and with a very, very looked past genre, a very overlooked genre in horror movies. I believe Hereditary is what Goodfellas was to the uh, gangster genre. It definitely is a film that should be watched in one sitting and to experience a feeling that you wouldn't get in a general horror movie. The cheap rights you get in horror movies are exciting. You get a high peak and they are entertaining and it's good to watch with some friends. But if you really want to watch a film that stays with you for a few nights, check Ari Aster's films, Hereditary and Midsommar, because they really do just linger in your mind for about weeks to come. I know when I watched Midsommar, it just stayed with me for a long time. And the really scary thing about them is, like I said before, he's not hiding anything. They're all there to see. So that, and it just stays with you for the, throughout the whole movie. There's nothing that's trying to be hidden. It's just this is what's happening, and it's realistic too. And I think that's what's horrific about it because it's realistic. And I think Ari Aster's found a really good niche in the horror genre market. Anyways, that's all I have time for with Hereditary. Probably one of the best horror films of that decade. Maybe behind It Follows. I don't know, but that is a tough call. But 
Anyways, I'm on Instagram, Film Exploration AH, all lowercase or one word, and please subscribe to me on Google, iTunes, and Spotify. And thank you again for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.